You know, having sensitive skin makes finding skincare products so difficult. It is. But today's sponsor, OneSkin, makes it easy. Their topical supplements are formulated with soothing ingredients and natural antioxidants. And they're gentle enough to use every day, even if you have sensitive skin. And it was founded by an all-female team of scientists. OneSkin's products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without all the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products. In a third-party 12-week clinical study performed by third-party research organization OS01 Face was clinically proven to strengthen the skin barrier, improve skin health markers, and diminish visible signs of aging. Like wrinkles were diminished in 87% of users. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company by focusing on the cellular aspects of aging one skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer get started today with 15 percent off using code tco at oneskin.co that's 15 percent off oneskin.co with code tco after your purchase they'll ask you where you heard about them please support the show and tell them we sent you i'm at the point where you know what it's okay to go up a size in pants if it's going to look better. I don't need to squeeze into the size I want to be because you're going to look better if your clothes fit. That's only been recently that I've been okay with that. And a big part of that was, I think, with Peloton, before I was going to the gym to lose weight. Constantly, I was working out to burn calories. It was, what did I eat yesterday? All right, let's go to the gym and burn that off. Now it's, I'm going to go do a run because it's fun. I'm going to go lift weights because I want to, you know, have more strength and I want to see bigger muscles. It's more than just your output, more than a bike. When you hear your shout out, you know it's all right. Put on your magic pants and let's go. We're cruising into the power zone. Clip in, set yourself free. Come on and take a ride with me. You know what you need to know and what's it all about. Welcome to the Clip Out Podcast, episode 245. This is Crystal O'Keefe. And this is Tom O'Keefe. If I sound a little different this week, it's because I am in Los Angeles. I am quite the jet setter. <laughs> yeah, well, we had to record even with you gone. Yes. There's too much. Well, I mean, we wouldn't have taken a week off no matter what, but we certainly wouldn't have taken this week off. Jesus Christ. They would have killed us. Yeah, yeah. We've had we've had requests for three episodes. We've had requests for a three hour yes. episode. We've had requests. Uh, I know, guys. I know. I feel you. Like it's been a lot yeah. to process in the last twenty four hours, and we're going to get into all of it. Remember, uh, a week ago, or like four days ago, which in Peloton time is approximately fifteen years ago, when the big story was like, "Is Amazon thinking about buying Peloton?" <laughs> <laughs> How did that become nothing? How did that become old it's news? Even, it's not even one of our topics. No, no. <laughs> this is craziness. Okay, but we're going to do things a little differently since Tom's out of town. Uh, so obviously he's going to be recording from afar. So that's one. It's going to sound different. But two, we have uh, John Mills joining us to discuss because we get a lot. But we also have uh, William Sinecki is back. He is going to be joining us after every earnings call and lucky him. 
<laughs> Lucky him. This is the first one. Yes. So we have uh, lots to include both John and William on. And there will be other things we're going to talk about what's going on with instructors and all the other good stuff. But I'm just going to tell you right we'll now. And if, we'll still have an interview. We still have an interview that has not changed. And it's a great interview. Although I do want to say that, like, for anybody out there, I want to say right now, this could be a triggering topic because our interview talks about eating disorders. So if you are a person that is triggered by that, do not listen to the interview. But that will still be there. However, we are not going to be shy from digging into this conversation because there's a lot to be said. So it's probably going to be a long one. So buckle up and uh, yes. join us. So Awesome. Well, before we get to all that, shameless plugs, we're still going to do those. Don't forget, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find a podcast, you can find us while you're there. Be sure and uh, follow us so you never miss an episode. And if you'd be so kind, maybe leave us a review. That's always helpful. We have a new review. Oh, yay. This is from Sammy Ann 1975 and she says, I've been a Peloton member since early 2017, and I've been listening to the clip out since the very first episode. Great way to find my feed my pillow addiction, and I look forward to listening on my commute every week. So thank you very much. Thank you, That's Sammy Ann. I appreciate yeah. that was a very nice and the, review. And then also, don't forget, we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash the clip out while you're there. Like the page, join the group. It's a great way to stay up to date on things throughout the week because sometimes during the week, <laughs> there's there's breaking news <laughs> and, uh, and, and we will share it for you promptly. You can also sign up for our newsletter at theclipout.com. Obviously, we throw a lot of articles and stuff at you and sometimes it's hard to remember what got posted where, and so you will get that in one weekly digest with all the links that we've discussed, so you can just follow up to your heart's content. And finally, if you want to look at our lovely faces, or our lovely face and me, <laughs> stop. you can go to youtube.com slash the clip out where you can watch all of these in HD although this week you're in HD and I'm in whatever the hell my computer ha webcam has so <laughs> uh, so there's all that let's uh let's dig in shall we we shall run lift and live with John Mills joining us once again via the magic of zoom tube it's John Mills from run lift and love hey John how's it going what is going on it's happening. Okay. Okay. You got the energy. Yeah, you're bringing the energy. I gotta say, I'm a little surprised, John. I'm a little surprised. I thought I thought it would be a little less energetic. I don't. Yeah. I, no. I thought there. No. Okay. No, okay. Huh. Mm -mm. And and don't so, don't forget our other guest. I was getting ready okay. to. I'm sorry. I was waiting for people to stop talking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we also are being joined once again by William Sinecki, who was on here a while back to talk stock stuff, and uh, we thought we'd we our plan was to bring him back for earnings calls, and lo and behold, the first earnings call is <laughs> this one. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, way a to, lot to unravel today. Yeah, way to way to make a splash with that entrance. <laughs> Absolutely. So I guess let's just dig right in. No need to bury the lead. Uh, the earnings call was bumped up in the day on Tuesday, and everybody was like, well, what does that mean? Well, apparently it meant John Foley is stepping down as CEO, and as we mentioned on last week's show, the layoffs are coming. Yeah, and I don't know if you guys remember, I said... We're probably going to have to see some layoffs and we're going to probably have to see slowdown in manufacturing. Turns out it's that times 10, unfortunately. And, you know, it sucks because Peloton 
John Foley intended Peloton to be a generational company. I still think it will be a generational company, but it was never meant to be a giant in 2022 and 2023. The pandemic, I mean, it tricked Foley into thinking that, you know, he could grow a company into what he initially envisioned would take 10 years. He thought he could do it in three years. So he took a huge gamble and I don't blame him for taking that risk. I'm a little irked on how he kind of misled shareholders to a little bit, but you know, it was Murphy's law. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong for full. Yeah. I, I wonder about the, the, the whole, I mean, in retrospect, you know, hindsight, we can see all that. Like it's really clear. And even prior, I think, you know, you had, you know, the whispers of it, people were saying stuff, but my mind goes to like natural, like human nature. I was, t- I was saying this in a group of mine <laughs> earlier in the week. It's like, you know, I played a lot of basketball, a lot of sports, and you have some days where it don't matter what you do. You could close your eyes. The ball goes in the hoop. Like everything's so going true. right. And, I, and when so those true. days happen, like you start like, you know, drinking your own Kool-Aid, you like start smelling your own shit, you know, like I, I think <laughs> I feel like that, I don't think that's just on an individual that does it. I think that's common to human nature when it's just like everything turns yeah. up roses. You just kind of think this is what it is. So I think about that as it relates to Peloton and relates to how they were moving. And like you said, Tom, a few weeks ago, they were like, uh, you know, Atari circa 1983. I think that really was how it was. I think they had yeah. like this veil that they, I think all, a lot, a lot of folks would have probably had that same type of outlook, you yeah. know? And he's, a, he's an optimist, right? He is very optimistic. I honestly lose, use the analogy that John Foley, when demand started plummeting, he found himself in quicksand. And anyone who's familiar with quicksand knows the more you move, the faster you fall. And every move Foley made was the wrong move. And it dug him deeper into the ground. Yeah. He would have been better just having the lead time be eight weeks, 10 weeks, right? Not, not increasing the production, not spending 35% on advertising, not cutting the bike price, and which resulted in lower demand. I mean, it's, yeah. it's unfortunate. And here's the thing. I'm, I'm a risk taker as I, you guys know from my investing, I take risks and I don't follow them on that. And I hate to see him step down. I really do. It's uh, I just got to say from a personal level, it really it really breaks my heart. Like yeah. I felt sick when I read this headline. I was the last thing. Actually, it was the second to last thing I wanted. I believe that this is the only thing that would have kept them from being bought at this point, And therefore, I'll take it. Because he yeah. wouldn't have had any control or any say in anything that goes forward. But I tell you guys, to me, this is truly the end of an era. This John Foley, like it, love it, don't agree, agree. He was the heart of this company. And not having him at the helm means everything changes from here on out. And I don't know how to feel about that. That's I fell in love with the company and who they were as a company. I'm not just a shareholder. I'm not just a person who did this for, I bought a product. This was so much more to me than just a product. And I don't know if it ever will be again. Well, I think the thing we need to keep in mind, though, is that it's not like they packed all his shit in a box and escorted him to right. off premises. Like, he's Scott still Toby. there. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. They didn't, like, put his fern in a cardboard box and say, get walking um he he's still there he's chairman of the board or whatever his the official moniker is it's corporate speak so i don't know but he's still there he's still going to have input and the the new guy barry mccarthy it is it is you know said in the email that he sent out about how like he has nothing but respect 
for Foley, and he knows that this company and this product is what it is because of him, and he would be an idiot, basically. I'm paraphrasing. I believe he said dipshit. No. <laughs> uh, one of the other. Like, I don't be, know which one. of the it other. It was one of those, uh, yeah. Of yeah. Uh, but he's like, I'd be an idiot if I didn't, like, take his counsel on the overall direction of this company. And I also think that it's like, you know, as I everything comes back to movies for me, as we know, in pop culture. But like they talk about this in The Godfather. Tom Hagen wasn't a wartime consigliere, right? And like maybe that's what we got going on here. The guy that built it maybe isn't the best guy to keep moving the ball forward. And so like maybe, maybe this isn't the worst thing. Well, you, here's the thing. John had everything that was needed to take the company to where it, you know, went IPO'd, right? Mm-hmm. But when you get that big, that international, and you're that big of a brand, sometimes, and we see this in other companies, it takes new management to take it that next step. And uh, I commend Foley for for stepping down. And and I think that was a big one because still, he has a lot of influence on the company. Executive team owns 75% of the shares. So he still has a very strong influence, like you said, and like it was said in the email. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I I, I guess... Barry still works for him, right? Like if he owns the yeah. bulk of the stock. Well, well, yes and no, because the day to day, it's not like he's going to go check with every decision sure. he makes. Uh, and John, what were you yeah. going to say? Because you, oh, no, you had I, a comment. I, I was just going to say that similar to what you were talking about earlier about, you know, kind of hits you at the heart, your heart, right? Because you've been here with this company and understanding who they were and believing in their premise and, pro- and the promise and John Foley that the head of that entire thing. And so to see this, you know, even though we had been hearing for a while from a lot of folks that, you know, this is what should happen. And this is the change that needs to occur. When it actually occurs, it just kind of, <laughs> you kind of go, oh, damn. But so I, I yeah. feel you with that. I, feel you. I do like the idea that this guy came from, you know, his background is Spotify and his background is Netflix, because, you know, we, we talk here a lot about the fact that people, I think a lot of people lose sight of the fact of what Peloton is or they misunderstand what it is and they think it's an exercise equipment manufacturer and really it's a streaming service it's a content delivery service with proprietary device and Spotify doesn't have to sell you special equipment to use it Netflix doesn't have to sell you special equipment to use it can you imagine where Netflix would be if they get all those people to spend $2,000 on equipment to use it and then pay three times as much a month. I mean, you know, so it's like I don't know that Peloton is positioned as poorly as people are making it out. They're to not. Be, but I think, <laughs> but I think bringing in a guy from Spotify and from Netflix, I I think that shows that internally they get the direction of what makes this company different from Bowflex or Echelon yeah. or any of that. And Echelon, I mean, obviously Echelon steals everything. I heard that they just replaced their CEO. They were yeah. just like, it's what we're, it's just what we do. Is his name uh, <laughs> Carrie McCarthy? Yes. And uh, he used to be, he used to be the CFO of Crackle. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. That sounds right. That sounds right. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I agree with you on all of those, those fronts. I mean, they would have that 2.8 million connected fitness subs like some 6.6 6 so or 7 million members. I got to assume, I mean, they, they are already you know, gaining some you know quarter million new connected fitness subs every quarter. If someone who is experienced in this space around subscription-based products, I mean, to me, that 
that sounds logical because we already have something. So what can you do with that? Right. Um, so I'm interested to see. I got to hit John Mills with another basketball analogy. Right. I've said this before. Peloton is a seven foot basketball player who can't dribble a basketball. <laughs> right. It's impossible to teach someone to be seven feet tall in height, just like it's impossible to have a net promoter score that Peloton has of 90, which is the highest, you know, it ever. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, that's something you can't teach, but you can teach a basketball player how to dribble that seven foot player, how to dribble just as easily as they can teach Peloton to be financially disciplined. You know, yeah. like what they have is so hard to get right. right? What they have that community right. and what they can change. Like fully said before, back to basics. That's all they got to do. And it's not going to be quick. Had yeah, you said, had you said, they were like a seven foot basketball player that didn't know how to shoot free throws. I would be like, they're the Shaquille O'Neal of, is that what you're saying? Is that what we're saying here? Oh we man. Change that. I, yeah. I think we got Shaq. Well, we got Shaq. I, I am curious what everybody's thoughts are about some of the other changes they made. I mean, we've got the pop plant closing. They're going to sell the property. They're going to sell the shell that's there. I personally am saddened by that, although I think it's the right call by far. And then, you know, we have Jill Foley leaving. She is no longer going to be in charge of the apparel. And then we also have William Lynch changed his position. Now he's just a full member of the board. They added two more board members. And we, I don't know everybody in the management area that has left. We just know it was a ton of employees, 2,800 employees. And I also... I want to get your guys' thoughts on that. And I also want to make sure that we focus on the employees that are gone because they are a huge part of the story as well. Yeah. One question I have. William Lynch is gone, right, as well. He's still on the board, but he's no longer president. And Foley and Barry steps in in both roles. Now, I don't know the consequences or the disparity between those roles or what that means. But I found that interesting that they just feel him do both of those roles. And so I'd be interested, Bill, in, if you have any insight on what that may or may not mean. But ultimately, I think all of the moves that I've been seeing, the things that they've been talking about, they seem to align, right? They seem to align with what we thought when we were the roles with regards to hardware. What was the role that engine hardware engineering kind of lead, engineer. lead role? That mm -hmm. makes sense, right? Like We've been talking about the products that they've been releasing and whether or not you know, those really make sense or align to where the, where the space is going and they're doing that, those things quick enough. Are they innovative enough? Like that to me kind of made sense. That individual that was head of global, um, their commercial business. And I started thinking, well, yeah, a -core. yeah, has much happened around that. And you've heard, heard the no. scrutiny around that. And so I guess if the scrutiny is true, then I guess that makes sense. And It's hard to say because there's also a lot of scrutiny around Jill and the apparel. And I know the apparel blew up in the last year and I know a lot of changes have occurred, but I just, I don't know. I'm not sure I agree with like all of the, oh, she never should have been in there. That's, they only hired her because that was, that was his wife. I'm not sure I agree with that. I think, I don't know. I guess, I guess it's, it's. Maybe it's just the human in me, but it's real easy to sit here and point fingers and shake your finger at them whenever we're, we're looking back. But I don't know that other people would have made other decisions going forward. You have to remember how quickly they grew. You know, yeah. they grew so mm -hmm. fast. Yeah. <laughs> they gambled. Like I said, yeah. they gambled. And, um, you know, you remember when 
they would have the new product leases for apparel. It gets sold out right away. Oh yeah. You know, John Mills is talking about, you're just, you know, you're just throwing it over your shoulder and swish, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, everything was going so right for them that they got high off their own supply and they took a big bet. Hey, Elon Musk, he took a huge bet too. I mean, Elon, and it paid off. Right. Right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if it wasn't the right scenario, if he didn't get government funding, if it wasn't right when, you know, GM was going under, if everything aligned for Elon Musk to look like a genius and the opposite happened for John Foley, the worst case scenarios played out. And it's unfortunate, but I respect that he took the risk. And I love that he's got Barry McCarthy taken in the role because Barry McCarthy is a visionary, right? He's worked with Reed Hastings at Netflix for 10 years, Daniel Ek at Spotify. And what I like most about him is he's in bed with TCV, right? So Jay Hogue is head of TCV Investments. Jay Hogue is the reason they did that capital raise at $46 a share. Jay Hogue bought 100 million shares. Wow, okay. Barry McCarthy has been on the board of TCV as an advisor for 10 years, right? So him and Jay are pretty tight. And for people that are foreign to Jay Hogue, Jay Hogue is like the godfather of software investments. Like, you know, in 2011, when Netflix went down to like $8 a share, you know who also bought $100 million worth of Netflix or some crazy amount like that? Jay Hogue. And he did the same thing with Peloton when Peloton dipped down. So Jay Hogue has so much experience. And he basically, I think him and Foley probably said, okay, we need to get Barry McCarthy in because Barry McCarthy already had success in companies that Jay Hogue has large investments, which we talked about Netflix and Spotify. So we have a great team. And what's great about Barry McCarthy is he got such a good incentive um, in terms of stock. He got an option to buy 8 million shares at yesterday's close and it vests over four years. So if the stock goes to $102 in four years, he makes 500 million. If the stock goes to an all-time high, back above 165, 171, he will make over a billion dollars, right? So this guy is like MJ coming out of retirement Right. right now. He's that's the only reason he, I was like, if I'm 69, 68 years old, I'm going to be on the beach with a Corona. And this guy was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. And then they gave him this, probably this uh, stock offer. And he's like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I can hold back on retiring. Yeah. That talk about a generational company. It's like a generational wealth. I mean, not that I'm sure he was hurting in the first place, but that's the kind of money that, you know, yeah. sets up your great, great, great grandkids. Yeah. Like that's oh. Yeah. That's Rockefeller money. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, back to the just the employee situation, let's drill down on that for a little bit. There was obviously a lot of flack about they keep their Peloton subscription for a year. Like that became a bit, which I thought was so ridiculous because it's like, well, if they shut it down, (laughs) then people would have been mad about that. And it's it's not as if that's the totality of their severance package, right? right? Yeah. From that perspective, that makes a whole lot of sense to you. That's not the way I initially saw it in my brain, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. How I initially saw it in my brain, I was thinking if I was in love with the company I work for and one day I just show up and they tell me I'm gone, that day I may not be so fond of them anymore. So the yeah. idea of, and by the way, you can see us every day on your screen, but right. get the hell out. That is, that's the part that made me go, I don't, 
That's great. I, they gave it I, to him. Maybe they shouldn't have told us that. Like, because I just think it was like, hey, we it, right. <laughs> and I, I, heard I, and it I as, get what you're saying. But again, if they take it away, now it just looks petty. Right. And so there's kind of, in terms of that aspect, there's it's damned if you do, damned but, if you right. don't. But also, but like, if I work for NBC and I get fired, I'm still going to watch Seinfeld. But but don't I, forget yeah. that like stress, working out is stress relieving and not having a job is stressful. And so I think you also can't sit there and say, well, we're a company that talks to our clients, for lack of a better term. We say, oh, this is so good for you. This is so healthy. And right. now we're going to let all these people go without any kind of mental health help i mean yeah. and i know it's not a fish it's not like professional mental health i don't mean it's a replacement for true mental health treatment but it can help with depression and anxiety and a lot of Absolutely. things that it's people yes. have been known to experience during a job especially loss. right right in situational depression not necessarily clinical right you know clinical or chemical based depression yeah yes, the good thing exactly. is as you look at the, the, the post on linkedin and and, uh, and as the community in general i mean even in my group there are folks just going there were folks that had been you know laid off and they were announcing it and and then people were reaching out and saying well listen we got some openings here why don't you come over and talk so i started seeing that ha- that was wild and then we saw that you know start happening on linkedin and and then we see, you know, uh, Dara Tressider's IG. Po- I mean, in the end, I'm like reading these things and realizing that like, my context of how are they emotionally after this happened relative to that company looks like it's a little bit different. Like they're still. Oh, yeah. They still hold like that same fondness. Right. Like they're just disappointed yeah. they're not there, but they still hold cool. that same fondness. So that yeah, that kind of changes the perspective. You know, it, it does. And I think it kind of depends on where you sit, like where you were about like what you did at the company. Right. And and yeah. the reason I say that is because that might have depended on how you were told. And it also might depend when you were aware that it was happening, because I hear that logistics was affected the greatest number. It was like 1,800 out of 2,800 employees. So the people who were out in the field, field ops, they didn't necessarily know They hadn't had this as much reiterated to them over and over again as office employees that this was coming. People, this is all my understanding. My understanding from the people in the office is they knew that this was openly discussed in meetings Mm -hmm. that like, oh yeah, this is totally coming. I mean, people weren't just like, you're all going to be fired or anything like that, but it was just like, we got to right size. We got to look at how much we're spending operationally. So people were not unaware, at least from an office perspective, this was coming. But then you have, there's no good way to tell 3,800 people simultaneously, you lost your job. So then whenever they closed down Slack and they closed down these other channels um, and it happened overnight, there were a lot of people who felt that was really not cool. But you can't have that many conversations simultaneously. It's just impossible. I I don't mean to take that like get over it. That's not it, it still hurts. It still sucks. But I don't know that there's a better way. But here's the thing, Crystal. In that conference call, they said they've been planning this and going through strategy for the past several months, right? So mm-hmm. they knew this was coming. Right. So why didn't they start the conversation several months ago, you know? And I remember what you said last time in the call, like you, you have to, or I was in Facebook, you know, this is not a decision to make lightly. And I totally agree, right? But if you knew this was coming for several months, don't you think you owed it to your employees to maybe start the process earlier? Maybe send an email? I mean, he I did, mean, though. Not- there was an email he sent, like whenever the leak came out, he sent an okay. email then saying, hey, there, we're looking at this. Like, this yeah. is going to happen. He never said, oh, we're not going to let nobody's going to lose their job. Like he said, yeah, we're looking at it. Yeah. I don't know what those decisions are going to be. And, and we're, we're not. Also, 
if you telegraph that too far in advance, then one, that can make a bad situation worse. What's that going to do your, to your stock price? You can also cause a mass exodus of staff, and you might end up causing people that you don't want to leave to leave. Yeah. You know, because if you're not saying specifically, hey, you drone, drone 319, you're the one getting shit can. Drone 320 might leave, and he's or she's the drone you wanted, right? And so, I mean, it would be nice, but from a strategic standpoint, from, like, from I the, just don't know. From the human perspective, yeah. it's very sure, easy to absolutely. say that, to be like, you know, you should have told us ahead of time. And and I know that companies do try to do that. And especially whenever you're talking on a small scale, it's easier to do. When you're talking 3,000 people, I mean, that's the size of some towns. It, that's a lot harder to do and, and to be as one-on-one as you want to be with that many people. Don't get me wrong. Maybe there is still a better way. I just don't know what it is. I, I've wow. had to be part of these conversations in other companies, and it's yeah. never easy. Never. Yeah. And, I've, and obviously, there are there are worse ways to let people go. than Some ways are worse than others, but I've never heard anybody that's been let go who's been like boy they really did that well <laughs> that, that's yeah, true I feel that's, both that's sides. a great point Tom. i feel both five stars i feel both would sides. get fired again yeah i feel both sides <laughs> of it i mean like you said i mean you're you're somewhat in between a rock and hard place but and yeah. so inevitably you're probably not going to do this very well like it's, you're going to make yeah. mistakes and you're going to screw some stuff up i think that just kind of happened but you know what is interesting to me about the, the earnings call that just resonates so heavily in my mind to Bill's point that they clearly had time to think about this, is that we saw last quarter that they dropped guidance by a billion. And then this quarter, they drop it by another billion. Like, I mean, like, like so clearly during fiscal Q2, they knew that we got to do something big. Right. Like, right. So I hear you, Bill. I hear that. Like that, that resonates with me. Yeah. Hey, did you guys hear about the uh, a virtual all hands meeting? To to actually went on today to it welcome did. a new yes. CEO. Yeah. John Foley spoke, uh, and he took full responsibility for all of this. Uh, he apologized multiple times. Uh, my understanding is he was emotional during that conversation. He read emails from people that had lost their jobs. He said he read an email that was positive, and he read an email that was not positive. And then he apologized again. And then Barry spoke as well and and talked to them about how he's going to be doing things. And he reiterated that he's going to have John involved in the like strategic vision of the company and that he'll be running the day to day. And I also was told that depending on the employee, that there's a very wide variety of reactions out there. There's oh, reactions yeah. that are angry, understandably, by the way. Um, there's reactions that are like, yeah, we we kind of figured this was going to happen. Um, and and there's, there's just a huge variety. So it's going to take some time as a company to heal from that as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I bet you a lot of these employees thought this is going to be my career. This company's growing so fast and so well, and this is like getting hired at Disney in 1940. Like, I'm this will be what I do for the next 30 years, and and now not so much. Yeah. So I'm sure that there's some frustration in that regard. Here's but here's one t- that I heard that I today I did not realize this, but apparently some people had accepted promotions recently, and had they not, there's a few individuals had they not accepted that promotion they would still be here at Whoa. peloton yeah that's, that's yeah. dirty yeah 
Yeah, that's yeah, that's got to sting. And then you know, let's talk about who's who's not who's not getting laid off, which is of course any of your instructors. And honestly, I, I don't think they should be. Like, I How get that they? it's not necessarily the best optics, but at the end of the day, like this is your brand, right? Like when you're, I mean, that's almost like if Coca Cola saying, you know what the solution is? What if we made less Coke? Like, <laughs> I. I just love see? it. This is it's true. Did you see the Blackwell <laughs> deck? Did you, did you yeah. Guys, did you, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you see Ooh. what they t- started talking about? Here it is. We um, got it. Which the page, John? Of it. their brand, and they show the instructors and their social engagement and their social. I did see that. Yeah. And, and that's the that right uh, there alone to me. No, nope, why going. you can't really do that. Yeah, right. uh, Cody. Cody is the only instructor that has passed a million, but Robin is right behind him, hot on no, his heels. Allie. Allie, right on his tail. Oh, I didn't even see Allie's. Oh, yeah, yeah. Allie's I, right I there. To... Yeah, I mean the community is so comfortable with these people. It's like watching I don't know a morning show for a baby boomer. I don't know what morning shows they watch, but like ABC <laughs> Morning, you start to you see them every day. They start to become part of your life, right? And they're already right. embedded in the community. And I mean, it sounds awful because they're getting paid half a million, but it was the right business decision. Well, and I would also. If they got rid of one of these instructors, they're going to pop up at a Bowflex or an Echelon or something like that instantly and have it rammed right down their throat. Mm -hmm. And I feel bad for the 2,800 people that lost their job. Absolutely. But if you start shedding instructors right now, you're jeopardizing the jobs of the people who are still there. Like. This is what this company does. This is what differentiates them at the end of the day because people can make a clone of their bike, but they can't make a clone of their instructors. And and if they start getting rid of them, to me, that's when it starts to circle the drain. I mean, instructors will always come and go. They're human beings and they'll they'll make decisions. They have free will and agency. So, like, (laughs) I don't mean to say no instructor can ever leave or if an instructor does, it's the end of Peloton. But if the belt tightening means that they're changing the product that the end user is receiving, like, to me, that would be a major alarm bell. Like, that's that's a sign of defeat if that's what belt tightening resulted in. And, and I think it would be a, a major sign of blood in the water, way m- more than what we're currently seeing. Like, I think this is draconian measures to right the ship. But if they start getting rid of instructors over fiscal for fiscal reasons, they got way bigger problems than than what we're seeing right now. Yeah, I think I some also- of these... Ha- I'm sorry. Go ahead, Krista. I just was going to say, also, I don't think every instructor makes north of $500,000. I think that's your legacy instructors, yeah. like Robin and right. Jen Sherman and that kind. I don't think it's everybody. Sorry, what yeah. were you going to Absolutely. say, John? Oh, I was just going to say that I, some of these headlines are, I mean, they're very convenient and they're, they're going to generate a lot of like discussion and probably a lot of clicks and a, and a lot of views talking about the instructor not getting cut or the previous thing we were talking about. Um, with regards to they were given, you know, free membership. I, I've seen articles on both of those things. I, I think they're just very convenient articles. To oh, Lauren Thomas. Shit. Lauren Thomas is a clickbait. <laughs> I don't want to say the word, but yeah, yeah don't she, say that word. <laughs> she just wants to. She just wants the clickbaits. And you Allegedly. know what, guys? Here's the thing. I know you guys think after that conference call that there's no Peloton acquisition deal. It's probably lost. I don't think so, um, but I, I think if it were to happen, it's certainly going to be delayed. Peloton wants to sell 
from a position of strength. Absolutely. Not from a sure. position of peak vulnerability where they're at. So I, I mean, here's the thing. The stock should not have gone up 50% based off those earnings. Hell no. Those earn, like John Mills point, 5.4 billion to 4.4 billion. Then they cut it by another billion. It was worse than I thought it would be. But how often do you see rumors about the biggest, best companies in the world in different sectors potentially competing for one company, i.e., you know, Disney, Nike, Apple, Amazon, Amazon. This is unprecedented, unprecedented. And I think right now we're seeing a lot of um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Wall Street bets, meme stocks. We're seeing a little meme action going on. And I don't know how long this will continue. But it's happening at the perfect time for Peloton because all growth stocks the last two days have just jumped. So this news came out in a perfect timing. Peloton has a high short interest. So I think that's giving the stock some boost too. And I really don't think an acquisition deal, I think it's more close now because I don't, I think Peloton, obviously it's close to John Foley, but it's still further, a little further now after this, right? And now he's a little more business centric. Everyone there is a little more business centric. And I think what Barry, it might not be, but what I think Barry's mission is, is to package Peloton in a nice little box with a nice ribbon and bow and get north of $100 a share for the company. And how long that takes, I don't know. It's going to take a while. There are some deep systemic issues in that company. And like they said, they're not going to see the adjustments on the logistics side and manufacturing side and Peloton Ohio Park until after fiscal year 23 on some of those things. It's going to take a while, right? But the stock just said, ah, screw that. I'm going up 50%. So there's some, there's some meme mania right now. I still think the, I still think the stock is, is undervalued. We talked about this last time I was on the show. It, there was more upside than there are downside. But since I've been on the show last time, one thing that's different is a lot more other stocks that are growth oriented compared to Peloton, they're down a lot farther than when I made that last statement. So when someone just made 50% on Peloton in five days, now are they going to jump into a Facebook that's down 40% You know, in the last three months? I don't know. But I can tell you this, the stock price going up 50% based off those earnings is a little irrationality from the market because it's not proportional to the earnings call that I heard. Well, I think they're just happy John's not in in power. That's how I took it. I took it they yeah, were like you got you got out you got him out of there. Good. But it's I not think gonna there's be quick. I think there's some of that just the, the happy that he's gone, but I th- I think there's some that it's just they're happy that they're they're doing something. They have a plan. Right? Like yeah, that, that's that, fair. and that this that this feels like a real plan and they brought in a real guy with with real experience and and that I think I I I don't think it's just an F you to, to John. I really, no. I really don't. You can I tell don't I take and things I would, personally. That's how I would have seen do. it if I, if that were well, me. I'm, I would be like, I'm married to you, so that's why I love you. Take things personally. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question. A yeah, year John. from now, are we going to be hearing Blackwell was successful in ousting the CEO of Peloton? Some, some, are we going to see that? Okay, that so, article so here's the thing. I think here's, that's how they'll try to. Spin yeah, it. no matter what happens, yeah. they're successful, right? Because he mm-hmm. he did it. He left. But but can I just say they're not successful because 
this conversation was clearly happening months right. before, well before Blackwell yeah. did their little <laughs> thing. So, yeah, yeah, that is how they're going to spin it. That is how history will remember it. But we know, we know the truth. That's that not is true. not what happened. Um, yeah. And it's important for the, the people like us to remember that and to, to say that. Now, to Bill's point, I hope, I hope that they don't sell the company. Uh, I don't want them to sell. I, I don't want them to. But um, I think that a key here is not only is is it possible they're trying to get the um, price up, but now with John not being involved in the day-to-day, now it's easier to let go. Now it's like over time, that makes it easier to be like, well, you know, I had my run. It's okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And how old is John Foley? What is he like 52, 53, 50, something yeah, like? Yeah, 51 to 53 right now. Okay. So he you know, so if it takes him 5, 6 years to get this to where they wanted to be and now he's pushing 60, like all of a sudden like, you know what? Yeah. I can sell this and, and make a billion dollars. I don't want to see the big evil guy. I know. I just don't want to see the big <laughs> evil corporations win, right? Amen. Like, Amen. You're in the before. wrong business, man. Here's the thing. Okay, this is this is this was the statement I put on Twitter. I said the worst thing, the worst short term catalyst or the worst short term event for Peloton shareholders is that they there's no acquisition deal. Right. That's the worst thing that can happen short term for Peloton shareholders. The best thing that can happen long term for Peloton shareholders is that there's no acquisition deal. Right. Because Peloton. dude. Okay, so (laughs) Peloton. Right. They used to have 50% gross margins on their equipment, right? So 50% gross margins, that would cover all the customer acquisition costs. So basically, Peloton was getting these customers before they made these price cuts. They were getting these customers for free, right? And then the subscription revenue was coming. It was infinite, right? And good investments are something that you find five time, 5x the return of customer acquisition cost. Peloton... It's such a unique model. It was getting its customers for free just because the margins were 50% on that hardware. And we're going to go back to that model now where we're getting those customers for free. We're going to start with the $800 million um, savings and run rate. We are going to get back to that model where we're making 50% margins just on customers. And when we have all these new products coming out, it's a no-brainer that you've got to make these products more expensive because the community is incentivized to buy these products because you're still only paying $39 a month, no matter if you have a bike, tread, or right. rower. And the analogy I like to use is this. Imagine your household, you get a Kia, right? And you got to pay gas on that Kia. You get another Kia and that gas is free for life. I mean, that's essentially what the $39 yeah. a month is. That's such a compelling va- value. And we're not realizing yet because we don't have those other products there. And we won't have those other products there if we spend so crazy like this. Now Peloton's telling us they're going to have $1.2 billion in cash at the end of this fiscal year after making the cuts. And they're going to have a $500 million in revolving credit. Their balance sheet is getting, it's going to get back to where we need it. And we're going to have that sustained profitable growth. We're not going to have that crazy growth like we wanted that crazy growth that we wanted, it was at a cost because we were losing money on every sale. Now that's not going to be the case. We can go at a slow organic growth and be that $300 a share company that I still think Peloton has a strong shot to be. You know, I have a question for you, Crystal. Is yours? I share the sentiment, so I'm not challenging it. This is just Layman John John. again. This is just Layman John again. 
asking these revolving questions. Don't make okay. me get my everybody voice out. <laughs> oh, yeah, I might do something. So you do do the everybody voice. Okay, I mean, so is your sentiment around you, you're hoping they, they don't get acquired. Is that related to your emotions around who Peloton was before the IPO? Absolutely. I mean, we're never yes. going back to those days. We're never going back to those days. And and honestly, the biggest upsetness feeling that I've had the last two days is because of that. Because this this made me realize that I have that I have grieved. I have grieved for that. <laughs> I never thought really we were going back to it, but there was still like this tiny hope. Right. But it's gone. There will yep. never be. There will never be that. Again, we're not going to have a homecoming where we get together and I talk to you about a podcast. You know, that's the first time I met you. That's not going to happen. We're not going to we're not going to get together in a room and be basically at a cocktail party with the instructors. It's never going to happen. And and so I don't want to lose the heart of the company. And now John is gone. Now Jill is gone. That was a huge part of that that heart. And so the last the last beat of that heart is the fact that it's still Peloton. If you sell it, it's gone. It's dead. Forget it. Right. You know, I, I was in my, my clubhouse the other night. We did like an, an urgent clubhouse <laughs> meetup right after earnings, right? Support and group. And, yeah, and you, have, you have the disparate groups of people, right? You have the, the people that were around pre-IPO and that remember all that stuff and are likely investors because they felt all that. And they dove in when the IPO happened. They were going to get something. And then you had the, the, the newer folks that have been around a shorter amount of time. They don't know a, a Peloton from prior to that date. And their mind, they, they may or may not be investors. They probably not. And, and their mindset is more just about, look, it, I just get on the bike and there's Alex. So want, I'm good. Just, just give me my ride. Right? I'm done. So they don't get the emotion. So you got this one side, they're all emotional. And you got the other side going, why aren't we talking about the artist series that just came out? Like, you know, there's this contention right. and different mindsets. I feel like I, I'm with you. I was hoping that we would get back to that in some similar, some semblance of that. But yeah, I kind of resigned myself that that's not going to happen. I mean, they're a public company now that they've got a, they've got shareholders yeah. to align with and they got, you know, it, this is just a different space now. So when we start talking about acquisition, it doesn't. Yeah, I might get a little stabbing in my chest a little bit, but I'm not opposed to it. I'm going, well, I mean, we're in a different world. It's now. just yeah. it's just the nature of things. All it all I can think about is a, a picture I saw one time in one of my nerd magazines. And it's uh, it's from the early Thank 70s. Thank God it's the nerd magazines that you're going to tell us about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's from the early 70s, and it's these people in a hotel conference room, and they were getting together at one of the first Star Trek conventions, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's this guy sitting there with storyboards <laughs> for this thing he's doing. Yeah, and yeah. He's, like, he's like, this is a project I'm working on, and I hope you Star Trek nerds at your little get together, shindig here, will support this thing, and that that head nerd with the storyboards was George Lucas for Star Wars, and he was trying to get them to go see Star Wars when it came out in a year, and oh, wow. and to show you how growth works, it's not it's not just Star Wars. That little Star Trek convention is now the San Diego Comic. Oh, okay. So, so I mean. That's just the nature of things. I just, so I don't. Peloton becomes Star Wars and we become the San Diego. <laughs> but I don't want to lose the community. I don't want to lose the connection. That's what that we're I... here for, honey. Yeah. That's what we're here for. 
for sure. Uh, we've got a new, we've got a new marketing. We've got a rebrand right away. Yes, the community Dar, is magic. I I still don't yeah. even get the secret sauce to that, but they are magic. I, Timing, I mean, literally. Yeah. Timing. Timing. Yeah, absolutely. So, but, well, I guess before we wrap this up, is there anything, any element aspect of this that we haven't turned over and picked apart that you guys <sighs> want to tackle? It's the end of an era. Well, I'm sad. Did they say by end of fiscal 2022 that they were going to have three million connected fitness subs? I, I think they're going to have that so. by end of Q3. They cut that big time too with the revenue. I yeah. mean. It's blood in the streets, but investors don't mind it because, like I said, we felt like we were being lied to, right? And, yeah. it, and it happened with the whole, we're not doing a capital raise, we're doing a capital raise. I mean, stuff like that, or we're hiring 3,000 employees, and then two weeks later, they're doing a hiring freeze. Right. We felt like we were being lied to, yeah. right? And yeah. I think yep. right now, finally, okay, they are treating us, They're they're actually on the same page with us, and they're telling us, the facts and the plan. And I think it's giving people hope. Like I said, this 50% pop is a little irrational because the numbers were pretty bad, right? But I still think, I mean, when you try to look at the, the stock price short term, flip a coin, right? But if you take it, when in doubt, zoom out. I think if we, I think in 10 years, we're going to be on a beach and we're going to be cheersing each other because we're loaded from Peloton stock. I still think we that's won't a know each other in 10 years because they will have been bought. Uh. <laughs> I believe in this, though. Hey, I think we're going to be like Eddie Murphy and, and you know, we're going to be on the beach. I'm joking. Yeah. I'm joking. You know, you know, just to add to your point, actually, in all seriousness, if you think about where everybody else is in connected fitness right now, there's a lot of com- there's a lot of Peloton's competitors that are actually doing worse than Peloton. Peloton's right. getting all Absolutely. of the the attention, but that is which, not the which is because it's the only it is Peloton gets all the attention because it's the only one of those products that anybody gives a shit about. Shit about. Did you guys hear iFit hired bankruptcy lawyers? Yeah, I heard I mean, that. We, we know that they're going through that issue. I didn't know they had hired the lawyers, so that's fascinating. They hired bankruptcy lawyers. They're imploding right now. Yeah, and here's, here's the problem. <laughs> and we're fixing it, right? But here's the problem. We spend 11 times on content compared to iFit, right? We spend 11 times. Why are we charging the same as iFit? Because right? people you don't get it. The, you can be the best. Yeah. I don't know. You can be the, if you're the best in a sector, you control pricing. Steve Jobs in like 2005, they said, Hey, what do you think? Your, your products are so expensive. You're going to leave out the middle and lower class. How do you feel about that? And he said, I just don't feel right selling crap to people. Stuff I don't want to sell to my, you know, my, my own daughter. I'm not going to sell this to someone on the street. Right. And Peloton, we are the best. We can charge more. And we found out by cutting the price, that was, yeah. it didn't increase any sales. It didn't. Right? So now well, we have I, a plan. I don't know that they should charge more because I, I get what you're saying about the price points being the same, but I don't think it's because Peloton's charging too little. I think it's because iFit's charging too much. I think they just looked at what Peloton did and said, well, if they'll give them 40, they'll give me 40. And that's as much thought as went into it. And I, you're I, right, Tom. You're, you're freaking you know, I, right because they're going to go out of business and then Peloton can say, okay, now we can charge more, right? Re- so right. you make a good and, point. 
And if they do go out of business, where are those people going to move to? But also, yeah, that's very true, Tom. And also, as far as the pricing goes, I've been saying for a very long time uh, that as they add new products, do not be surprised if that price goes up or becomes some kind of add-on thing. Now, right? I I know they want your guide to work. It's forty-five bucks a month. I still, I still think that is an option, especially with everything up in the air right now. Not going to do freemium. They're going to do freemium, I, I guess, where that's an idea being thrown around where they're going to have, you know, different tiers for the digital app. Like if you want the cheaper one, then there's going to be ads at the start of class. They're probably going to start doing that. Crystal, I know you probably hate that. I don't, I don't really like care. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to be in the middle of a meditation and hear an Arby's commercial. But no, that's I, what we got to do. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I think what would bother me, I, I think there needs to be the freemium like that. That I'm OK with that because I'll gladly pay for it not to have any ads. Yeah. Like that's what I do with everything. Yeah. I don't want to be I don't watch commercials. I don't like them. I, it's too grown for that. <laughs> I, love I don't it. have the time. Hey, hang on before before you start talking down commercials too much. Don't forget, we do. Run I know. Them. I was just thinking that I was <laughs> like, people are going to be like, God, you are really you hypocrite. hypocritical. But, but they get this podcast for free. On the other that hand, is true. <laughs> that is true. Nautilus, as we, we love speak, it, guys. Nautilus, as we speak, their earnings calls is going on. Like I wanted, I, I'm going to go and check it out after this. But I don't know what's been going on with them. But I know iFit's been struggling, and we've been seeing them them floundering and and, and battling. And uh, so I'm interested in see what the other players in the space, what's happening with them, Nautilus specifically. So Darwinism, baby. You're going to have to update Darwinism. us next week, John. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you guys for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, Bill, before we let you go, where can people find you? You can find me at at wild underscore bill 32 on Twitter. I am formerly known as Piton Gaines, Piton Pains now. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. And John, and John, where can they find you? Uh, on Facebook, they can find me in my group or page, Run, Lift and Live. They can find me on Instagram, Run, Lift and Live. They can find me on the tickety-tock, run, lift, and lift. That's that old man kind. Or they can find me at (laughs) runliftandlift.com. Awesome. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Talk to you later. I'll see you. Man, oh, man, do you love your AG1? I really do. You do. It's a wonderful tasting drink, and it also makes me feel good. Like, it's a great way to start the day. Uh, you know, I grew up, my dad always had things like tomato juice first thing in the right. morning. I feel like AG1 is my tomato juice. <laughs> <laughs> this generation's V8. Yes, I, I do. Uh, but I love the way it makes me feel. It's like I get all of my vitamins and I'm ready for the day just with a drink. And like I said, it's a good tasting drink. And it can help replace your your multivitamin just by drinking an AG1 every day. Yes. And not only did I replace my multivitamin with AG1, but I love that every scoop also includes prebiotics, probiotics, and digestive enzymes for gut support. It also has vitamin C and zinc to support my immune health. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1. And that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health it starts with ag1 try ag1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin d3 k2 and five free ag1 travel packs with your first purchase at drinkag1.com slash clipout that's drinkag1.com slash clipout check it out 
If you're looking to avoid carbs, it's always a challenge trying to find bread that fits in with your keto lifestyle. Right, because you want to make sure that it tastes good and you want to make sure it has good ingredients. So I think Hero Bread does both. Especially when you're in the store, you are overwhelmed with bread choices. Yes. And I've had other breads before that claim to have low net carbs and you are certainly sacrificing taste texture size yes none of that with hero bread no because sometimes on the ones that have the low net carbs they have like no substance to it (laughs) it's like eating air it is and hero bread actually really tasted good and it felt like a solid piece of bread like i did not feel like i was giving up something i was surprised at how big each slice of bread was here's the real test of a piece of bread (laughs) i didn't make a sandwich with these I just had toast Which you love Because you have toast Almost every day I do It was the (laughs) best textured Bread of this sort That I've ever had And if you're doing the math It's zero to one grams Of net carbs Zero gram sugar And high in fiber So don't give up Being a breadhead Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order Go to Hero.co And use code TCO At checkout That's TCO At H-E-R-O Dot C-O The Psychological Edge with Dr. Jen. Joining us once again via the magic of ZoomTube is Dr. Jen Mann, licensed marriage, family, and child therapist and sports psychology consultant. She also has an app called No More Diets that you might find helpful or useful. Ladies and gentlemen, and all points in between, it's Dr. Jen. Hi. Hello. Hello. Great to see you guys. Likewise. Thank you for coming back. We have more questions from the Clipout group. Uh, This one is from Jacqueline Jacks Ash. And she says, this is probably a weird question. She hates, 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 like lots of hate for Power Zone. Uh, She says, but I see the value in doing the challenges every so often because I see marked improvements. How do I motivate myself to do something I know will help in the long run, but when six to eight weeks of it seems so freaking long? I am fascinated to hear your answer. And and is she talking about doing like an actual power zone program or just like one single power zone class? So she's talking about um, there are power zone challenges run by like an independent thing that they have like outside of Peloton that like just a random person is putting together these challenges. That's that's all based on a whole bunch of power zone classes. And um, and then they have to do it for six to eight weeks. And it's a team. So like if you you could do it solo. But if you're in a team, then like part of the pressure is like you've got all these people depending on you. You can also do it solo. And I don't know which one Jacqueline's doing. Um, But as you go through it, in theory, your FTP should go up over that time period, which is why she feels compelled to do it okay that sounds like a nightmare (laughs) i am a hardcore peloton addict i work out seven days a week i have two treads i have two bikes i wear the clothes like you can't find me in a 24-hour period without something peloton on me and like i would rather stick needles in my eyes than do that but more power to you those of you who are doing that I bow down to you. I respect you. I think it's awesome. So here's what I'm going to say. You don't have to do everything just because everyone else is doing it and it's, it improves you. There are a lot of different ways to improve your output. I've been 
doing Peloton for now, I guess it's, I think like three years. And my endurance has improved so much. When I first started, I could barely get through a 20 minute run at a five. And now I can do an hour run and my baseline run is at a six. So what I'm here to tell you is that that is not the only way to improve. And that I'm a big believer that the exercise we do, well, sometimes it can be difficult or challenging. Like it should not be something that fills you with dread that we should be picking things that help us to get stronger and better that are the least horrible <laughs> that we can pick. And, and I'm a big believer in pushing ourselves, but also pushing ourselves with the things that we enjoy. And so maybe what the compromise for her is instead of joining the this power group, this endurance group, instead maybe she makes a commitment to once or twice a week to do a power zone class and to look at her metrics. And you know what? So she improves the same amount over the course of one year that she might've done in an intensive two or three month period. She still is finishing that year loving exercise, loving her bike, looking forward to it, having a positive association. Because when we create too much of a negative association with exercise, we're going to at some point get burned out or not do it or get injured. Mm -hmm. So I would say, you know what, again, more power to those of you who are, who are doing that. I think it's amazing. It's impressive. Like I'm not a power zone kind of gal. I aspire to do a little more, but to, for me, the thought of doing that does not sound fun. And I like my exercise to be fun. And I like for other people who are inspired by this podcast and by Peloton to have great experiences. So I would say really do a deep dive on what other ways you can improve your endurance. And also, by the way, sometimes strength work can really improve your endurance. The one thing that I do that I really don't like, but I don't hate it is hit cardio. For me, I do HIIT cardio. I incorporated it into my exercise plan last year. And it's just one of those things that every time I do it, it is so hard, but I enjoy the challenge. So I don't totally hate it. It's just like, oh, like I thought I was so much better than this. I thought my <laughs> endurance was better. I thought I was so much stronger and that I'm all for. So really look at where else you could incorporate things into your plan, whether it's strength, whether it's some hit cardio classes, whether it is doing the power zones once or twice a week, or maybe adding in some running to, to your regimen or some outdoor running, that there are a lot of different ways to improve your endurance. And that's not the only one. So don't do something that you really loathe. I wholeheartedly agree with everything you just said. And I would also add that uh, this is another vote for her doing strength because she's she's probably the the improvement she's specifically talking about is the the output going up um, and over time that. And so I think that doing I know that doing strength can have similar results. So taking yeah. uh, taking those classes, like you said, a couple times a week and also adding in more strength, I think she could get the same results without being miserable. So I think that's fantastic advice. 
That was a very specific Peloton question. I love that we can hit those like that. <laughs> I love that I can talk about my obsession with you guys. Yeah, and you can't <laughs> get other. You can't get Peloton specific advice like that in other places. You like cannot. This is, this is where you go for stuff like that. So, well, thank you very much for for helping her out. And uh, until next week, where can people find you? You can always find me on social media at Dr. Jen Man, two ends on Jen, two ends on man. And you can find me in my weekly in style magazine column, Hump Day with Dr. Jen, that's all about sex and relationship advice. A visit from the Peloton Prophet. Okay, well, back to regular Peloton news. <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh, yeah, who knows if this is even still valid after everything that's occurred? But I think Absolutely. it is. I think it is. Yeah, I I don't know why that that would everything that happened would prevent this from occurring. But Lane Break, the video game that the gamification of Peloton that has been bandied about and being it, beta tested will be rolling out soon, according to our Peloton prophet. Yes, yes. Valentine's Day is the big day, so hopefully next week we'll we'll all get to play a little Lane Break and check it out. So Tom, are you gonna are you gonna join me for Valentine's Day and play a little Lane Break? I got you lane break for Valentine's Day. But are you gonna? Are you gonna? That's play? this is what I'm getting you for Valentine's Day. Are you gonna play Day. the lane break? So you got lane break. Are you gonna play? You're welcome. The lane break with me because I want to do something with you. Um, I can stand there and make Pac-Man noises <laughs> while you do it. <laughs> All right, I tried. As close as you're gonna get. Fine. So if you're looking for a different way to get your cardio going, you should check out Fight Camp. It blurs the line between fitness and gaming. It does. And it's so fun. Uh, the gaming aspect of it, you get to see like, here's your here's how many punches you should be hitting and you get to try to beat it. So it brings out that competitive side. And also, I, it is really fun to hit things like to actually have something in front of you and punch get some contact. It. Yes. I love that feeling. It feels very I feel very empowered when I punch that bag. And they have quick workouts. Uh, they maximize your efficiency with high-intensity interval training, and you can get a killer workout in as little as 20 minutes. And you need zero boxing experience. They have programs that take you through the beginner all the way up to being really awesome at it. And it's a full-body workout, so you you have no need to worry about if any of your fitness is missing. Fight Camp comes with all the gear you need to start boxing from home, including a freestanding punching bag, boxing gloves, quick hand wraps, and smart punch trackers, and it takes up less space than you think. If you have enough room to do a push-up, you got enough room for Fight Camp. Fight Camp offers easy payments so you can get your equipment and get started now. Pay over 24 months for less than the cost of a gym membership. Plus, Fight Camp offers free shipping with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Just go to fightcamp.com slash clip. To get free shipping on your Fight Camp, go to fightcamp.com slash clip. Fightcamp.com slash clip. Peloton in the news. So believe it or not, there are still other things to talk about with Peloton in the news that aren't catastrophic. <laughs> so uh, it was an interesting article from CNBC. Steve Kovach, which I believe is Crystal's pseudonym, <laughs> because he's saying exactly <laughs> what you've been screaming from the mountaintops and people have been ignoring, which is Apple's acquisition history shows why a Peloton buy is out of the question. Thank you, Steve. Now people listen because you are a boy. (laughs) (laughs) 
but yeah, the article just talks about how if you look at Peloton's history, they they don't tend to buy companies that are that highly valued. Apple's, they don't Apple's ex- history. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Apple's history. They don't tend to buy companies that are that highly valued. That the closest that you have is Beats, which was uh, $3 billion, which for Apple is nothing. And other than that, most of them are more of what they consider aqua hires, which is they acquired the company to get the staff more than the actual company itself. And so uh, they definitely agree with Crystal that Apple is probably not interested in Peloton. Well, there you have it. (laughs) I like Steve. (laughs) So now I got to live with that for the next week. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily, you're out of town, Tom. So (laughs) oh, that's true. That was good timing. That was very... Very fortunate. Also, uh, Mashable. I need to get a new sweeper made that's like the dumbest idea of the week. (laughs) Um, Mashable has an article about how Peloton would be so much better if it let you stream stuff like Netflix and Stadia. I I don't know. But I told this guy off on social media. Uh, He doesn't know it because he doesn't know who I am. But I, (laughs) I tried to add him everywhere I could because he's just wrong. And here's why he's wrong. Even if you want Netflix on your your equipment, guys, I just want to say that's not the issue that I have with this. The issue I have with this article is that Adam thinks that it is an oversight and it is not. It is on purpose. It is a feature, not a bug. Tom likes to say that a lot. And it is it is purposeful. They want you to be focused on a class. Right. I mean, as we talked about earlier in the earnings call segment, that the product is the instructors and that's what creates the engagement. And if you watch Netflix, your bike for most people will become a clothes hanger. Exactly. I know there are exceptions. And so, and if you want to watch Netflix, there are easy workarounds, whether it's slapping an iPad up there or putting a TV in front of your bike or jailbreaking your tablet if you want to avoid your warranty. But most people, if you give them that option, it leads to them using their bike less. Yeah. And and I know that that's not everybody. Like you said, there are, there are exceptions to that. And I just want to sure. say I'm not this is not to be mean to people who don't don't want to work out like totally. hard all the time. There are plenty yeah. of really good reasons that you would want to just take it easy and absolutely and ride a bike nice and easy or walk on the treadmill nice and easy. But the point being, it's not because Peloton doesn't think they didn't think of it. It's because Peloton thought of it and discarded it because for the most part, that's not what people want. And when you look at their when you look at their engagement numbers, it bears out like they're right. They have the data to back that up. And of course, yes, there are people that still want that. And like you said, Tom, there are workarounds. Yeah. Clip out. Joining us once again via the magic of ZoomTube is Angelo from MetPro here to answer all of your nutrition questions. Hey, how's it going? Hi. Great to see you guys. Thanks for having me back. Thank you for coming back because we need your help again. Last week was all about our hungry <laughs> listeners. This week is all about our craving listeners. We've got okay. Tammy Barnett. Okay. She says that she craves food that is not good for her at night, specifically sweets and carbs with fat like toast or buttered popcorn, which sounds amazing. Uh, and then we have Jody McCammon. She says she eats too much sugar. Uh, Darcy Bulger, getting over the sugar habit she developed between Halloween and holidays help. So wait, is she eating toast and popcorn? Well, she was saying... (laughs) Like a sandwich? No, she said carbs (laughs) with fat. So an example is toast, period. Okay. Also, 
buttered popcorn. Oh, okay. I thought she was doing both. I was like throwing some jelly beans and you got yourself a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, there you go, Tammy. Tom Tom fixed it. Just have a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. <laughs> so, so cravings are something that um, we all deal with. And if somebody says they don't have them, they're lying. Everybody <laughs> has cravings from time to time. Uh, you know, sugar is the only thing we're literally born addicted to. So here's the deal. From a practical standpoint, what I try and tell my clients is deal with cravings and not cravings and hunger because you're not going to win that battle. So uh, chocolate cake tastes good. Oh. That's never going to change, <laughs> right? You're always going to like chocolate cake. That is true. What changes is the environment. You walk by the bakery and you're starving. You're going to go and you're going to grab some treat, that's something that's sugary. You walk by the bakery, but you have already eaten a healthy meal. Now only sometimes you're going <laughs> to indulge in the treat. See, so that's the trick. <laughs> so big picture, and I will, and I will swing around to, okay, here's some good snacks to actually go to if you have a sweet tooth. But big picture, and more importantly, uh, if you were my client and we were visiting and you said, I'm struggling at night after dinner with snacks, my next question is going to be, I want to know how dialed we in, uh, how dialed in we are at our mid afternoon snack. And I'd probably even enlarge your mid afternoon snack if it's not substantial enough. You will be amazed at how adding a mid afternoon snack will stabilize your blood sugar. When you come to dinner time, you'll still be hungry, but you won't be ravenous and you won't be having this massive blood sugar spike and drop that causes the nighttime cravings. Again, chocolate cake still tastes good. So my advice is don't keep it in the house and you'll end up selecting something that's more nutritious. So that brings me to my second recommendation. So first is mid-afternoon snack, something simple and clean. I'm always a big fan of nuts and fruits. Keep it simple. My second recommendation is don't keep it in the house. I know this isn't viable for everyone, but I can make a very potent argument for the practicality of this. My clients are very motivated right out of the gate, you know, weeks two, weeks three, they're dropping weight, they're seeing their body change right before their eyes. And then I ask them about, you know, the pantry and they say, oh, yeah, we have the Oreos, we have the Nutter Butters, but that's for the husband or that's for the wife or that's for the kids. And I won't get into it. And you will. <laughs> yeah, you will. <laughs> yeah, you will. Um, so. You know, I've done this a couple times. And the thing is, you may have willpower, but willpower is secondary to just practical, uh, you know, practical application. When we assume that we're not going to get into something, here's what you're signing up for. You're signing up for never being exhausted, never having a long day of work, never having something unexpected in your life pop up, never having something unexpected for your family's life pop up, never deal with excess stress, because all of these are triggers. And you're going to say, you know what? I'm dealing with this. I don't want to also deal with that. I deserve to have a night off. And that is Okay, because you're right and you do deserve to have a night off. And when you take that night off, I'd rather you not have chocolate cake in the fridge. I'd rather you have a night off with other foods. So practical steps. And trust me, I, I've done it myself. I don't eat Oreos, you know, by the twos. I eat them by the sleeve. That's why 
I don't keep them in the house because if I keep them in the house, I'm going to dive into them. Rarely will I at 30, 9 o'clock at night go and say, you know what? I'm going to put on my blazer. I'm going to grab the keys. I'm going to drive down to the, you know, the gas station and grab myself a treat. You have a very fancy gas station. Yeah. Why are you putting right. your blazer on to go to the gas station? Right. Well, you know, if I go to the gas station where I live, everyone knows me around here. So I have to not only wear my blazer, but I have to wear the fake mustache and glasses. <laughs> okay. too, otherwise I get razzed. Okay. So. <laughs> but most people will not. Get dressed, drive down, get something. Guess what? I've done that too. It will happen. It'll happen less often. So what are the options in your house? There should be good options. I'm a big fan of fruit and all the different things that you can do with fruit. So one of my favorite recipes at nighttime is Greek yogurt and strawberries. Try putting it in the blender. Put a um, non-artificial sweetener in it. Uh, I like something or something like a, a stevia or even a truvia would be okay. And uh, mix it up in the blender. Put it in the freezer for just 10, 15 minutes to chill it a little bit. It's delicious. It's a wonderful snack. Some of my clients, they do frozen blueberries and then they put a little bit of Truvia over it and it's sweet and it gives them something to look forward to. If you're a nighttime snacker where you prefer something savory, I like doing low fat string cheese melted over sliced apple. And you can even put a little garlic powder or salt on it. Mm. There's a lot of little, my favorite is savory. So I, I struggle with the salty. You know, so I'll get in trouble with the Oreos, but a bag of potato chips is even more deadly. So I can't keep that in the house. You know what I do love is I'll use uh, either ham or uh, turkey or roast beef, like a roll up. But instead of using cream cheese, I'll use a little cottage cheese, just a dollop. Huh. Context of that ham or uh, or turkey roll up. The taste is very similar and it's very satisfying. So there's lots of little tricks you can go to. If you're genuinely hungry, I tell people first go back and have another serving of your healthy foods that you had at dinner. If you still want to treat after that, go ahead. You're not going to have as much room in your belly so the treat will be more modest sized. There are little tricks to minimize. So just to recap, have an afternoon stack, snack, stabilize your blood sugar. Go with foods that are going to be more filling, voluminous foods. And at nighttime, you can have snacks that are clean and healthy, not keeping the junk food in your house. And those are going to be a, a few little, little tips to avoid um, the sugar cravings. Those awesome. are very good tips. So no chocolate cake in the house. What I'm hearing is red velvet and funfetti is what <laughs> you're got the sense of it. Yes. Yeah. So um, I can always count on Tom to yeah, come away with the, just, you know, the, the moral of the reducing story. Reducing it to its core element. So that's what I'm here for. So, well, thank you very much. If people would like actual nutritional advice and not the things that I say, uh, where where can they find you? They can find me at metpro.co slash TCO. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Man, there is nothing worse than when you buy a pair of sunglasses 
and then you lose or break them. I would agree. So what do we do about that? <laughs> well, that's where Gooder comes in. Their sunglasses are $25 each. So nobody likes to throw away $25, but it's a lot better than throwing away a hundred or more dollars on a pair of broken sunglasses, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I have to say that's not my favorite part about Gooder. My favorite part about Gooder is that when I run, they don't slip, they don't bounce, and they're 100% polarized. Um, and they also come in like a million different colors and styles. For your $25, you're not sacrificing comfort, safety, or style. If you want to support the show and pick up a pair, Gooder is giving the Clip Out listeners free shipping on their first order. Just go to gooder.com slash TCO. That's G-O-O-D-R dot com and use code TCO to get free shipping. Gooder offers a 30 day money back guarantee and 100% satisfaction. Find your pair at gooder.com slash TCO and use code TCO to get free shipping. Instructors in the news. Alex Toussaint has some fun news. So the NBA All-Star Game is just around the corner. And I guess they have a celebrity game where various famous people get to play basketball. And he is going to be one of them. How cool is this? Uh, yeah, so so he's on Team Walton. So did you yes. see that Tiffany Haddish is on the other team? I did see that. So is Kane Brown. I'm just a f- <laughs> oh, I'm like, I, Kane Brown. I was like, hey, you took a picture so for names. him once. <laughs> I did. He he uh, stole a picture I took and retweeted it as his own. Yes, he did. Uh, yeah, but uh, I was just like looking at these and I was like, I know. I feel so old. Like I know almost none of these people. Same. It's like I know Alex Toussaint. I know Kane Brown. I know Tiffany Haddish. Yeah, and I think that's Machine it. Gun Kelly. Well, you know who he is. Oh, I. Oh, okay. Oh, I glossed over that name. Yes, I do know who Machine Gun Kelly is because I booked him. And yeah. And oh, then Jimmy they're, Allen. They're, we know who Jimmy Allen is too. He's a country singer. Oh, okay. And they're going to have a Harlem Globetrotter on one of the teams. That's pretty cool. They are? Yeah. Krissa Jackson. Are you joking? No. Okay. I don't know who that is. It, oh, it even says it right there. Harlem Globetrotters. I thought he was joking, y'all. I only know it because to say it, I don't know the Harlem Globe. Well, the Harlem Globetrotters I know by name are going to be like, you know, Metal Arc Limited. Well, that's why I was like, <laughs> they would be a little old for this, I would think. Well, they're still around. They just have new people playing. I know. I just meant that the people <laughs> that you would have watched. Right. That's what I was. Yeah, that I would recognize by name. Yeah. Are dead. <laughs> they're dead. You just say it. They're dead. But uh, but yeah. So but uh, but yeah, that's really cool. That uh, it is very cool. And it's nice to just see to some that. positive news. Like it's just just straight up positive news. You know, Absolutely. Can I can I take a little uh, a little detour and and just talk about a class I took today? I didn't have this on the list. Sure, it can, it's your show. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> it's our show. Um, but uh, yeah. So one thing that made me feel a lot better today and made me come into this conversation in a much better headspace was I took the two for one uh, Black History Month run, and it was with Adrian Williams and Just Sims. It was clearly before all of this happened because they are smiling and happy without a care in the world. <laughs> but <laughs> it reminded me of. It just put in perspective for me, I guess, what this is all about, that our instructors, like you said, Tom, they are the product, but also the joy that they bring us and the the lives that Peloton has saved, the things that Peloton has done for us. It's been it's been absolutely wonderful. It has completely changed our lives. I mean, even you, Tom, you don't you don't use any Peloton products, but it has changed your life so dramatically. And uh, it absolutely has thinking. I was just thinking back on that as I was taking the run. And it is a joyous run to take. If you were having a bad day, it is the 
perfect class to take. So if you haven't checked it out, please do so. Sorry, Tom. And I, no, you're <laughs> fine. I also have to say that, like, yes, while I, while I still don't use a Peloton, much to the consternation of many people, mm-hmm. it, it, it certainly was my path to fitness, even if it's not the product I ended up using. It if was. It, if it hadn't been for your love of Peloton, we would have never been introduced to the world of Tonal and then MetPro, and I would, would not be where I am currently at. So it's crazy. Back into the segment itself while we're talking about Alex Toussaint, or we were anyway, um, <laughs> the ride to greatness that he's doing. They have their official team captains, and it's two sports people that I don't know. Ryan Tanhill, Tannehill, star quarterback, comeback king, and Peloton member. And then uh, Greg Olson, veteran tight end, broadcaster, Peloton member. I can't help but notice that they don't say what teams they played for. Like, I guess if you're into sports, you instantly know. Mm-hmm. I don't instantly know. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I I take that to mean there's some sort of like the NFL's not letting them use the name of the teams that they played for. <laughs> that would that would be my guess as well. And I'm with you, Tom. Obviously, I have no idea who those people are, but I know people are really excited about it. I also have heard a lot of people be a little bummed that like last year, uh, Hannah Frankson, she was a uh, one of the team leads and she really pulled for her team. Like she was out there, you know, on, on Instagram every day, like, come on, come on, come on. She was really riling people up and, uh, you know, these guys are celebrities and they have not done that. <laughs> I don't know. Ah, I don't know if they plan to, think, but <laughs> yeah, you would think if they bring them in, like they'd be like, Hey, here's the things you got to do. And they probably would just write the tweets for them, but you never know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll still see that, you know, the, it's a few weeks, you know, it happens over time. Sure. So as maybe, it gets closer. Yeah. Yeah. And then also the Today Show had the 20 best Peloton instructors for every type of workout. Yes, it did. And uh, everyone, I thought it was funny because everyone's like, oh, my instructor's missing off this. Because, of course, you can't name every single instructor. But um, there were a lot of, of, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I know it was 50 of them, uh, but 50 plus. uh, But there were a lot of good mentions in here. And a lot of the people that we hear a lot of, you know, Alex and, and Jess King and Dennis and Christine and Robin. So um, hopefully, hopefully people that haven't been introduced to the Peloton world see this and they try out some instructors they have not tried before. Absolutely. Peloton Celebrity Sightings. We have a new celebrity uh, sighting. Donna Mills (laughs) at 81 has entered the world of Peloton. She's a famous actress. She was, uh, I know her because I love my movies and especially 70s era cinema. She was in Clint Eastwood's directorial debut play misty for me she was the girlfriend not the crazy one with the knife but the other one the other one spoiler well and one of one of our members posted this and um the name is escaping me at the moment but i i really appreciate that people send us this stuff so thank you because i wouldn't have seen that otherwise yeah it's liz liz there's her name liz mullins uh i can't read the last name san sarubo 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 thank you yeah Yes, thank you very much for pointing that out to us. And while we're talking about celebrities and Peloton, uh, for fans of uh, nerd-based comedy, and I mean that in the best possible (laughs) way, Lauren Lapkus, who you might know from, uh, she was, I believe, on... Was she on Big Bang Theory? And uh, and then Paul F. Tompkins, who used to be on all those... Remember all those VH1, like, I Love the 90s, and where they had all the comedians doing 
their little cut-in jokes. He was on a bunch of those, mm-hmm. and he's been in a bunch of things as well. But they're both on a, a podcast that's exceedingly popular called Comedy Bang Bang, and and they make these uh, video, improv videos, and they have one out now called Lapkus and Tompkins, A Peloton Adventure. So if you want to check that out, it's only five bucks. Okay. So – you can go check that out, and you can find the link for that in uh, the newsletter this week if you sign up for it at theclipout.com. Awesome. In case you missed it. DJ John Michael is celebrating seven years with Peloton. I think 18 months of that is a full-time employee. <laughs> That's about <laughs> right. He was, That's about right. He was freelance for so long before they finally brought him on board, before they finally wised up yes. and made him an actual Peloton employee. But uh, a lot of the instructors chimed in. They made a very nice video for him. They did. It was really sweet. And so if you haven't gotten to see it, definitely check it out and send congrats to DJ John Michael. He's a huge part of all of this, this, this wonderful community that we have. And of course, Peloton. <laughs> Peloton Artist Collaboration. So we have the latest artist collaboration. This time it features Swizz Beats. I always have trouble pronouncing those things where the S's or Z's, I know. so I say them right. I'm like, should we say Swiss Beats or is I think it you're Swizz? supposed to say Swizz Beats. Okay, okay. I always feel like a million like, years old. You know, I know, like salt and pepper. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Even my reference is a million years yeah. old. But uh, yeah, legendary producer prefer, produced his first hit single at 18. <laughs> so uh, you can you can check that out. Also, uh, Verz is, is back yep. and uh, uh, with, a, with a twist. Yeah. So for this round, instead of being a head-to-head battle, the instructors are going to play a compilation of all their favorite songs from the battles. So it's going to be head-to-head so you get to pick each one. So... Awesome. And that will be with Ben Aldis, Andy Spear, and country music superstar Chase Tucker. <laughs> I'm sure Chase loves that every time. <laughs> I doubt he's ever heard me say Okay, it. that's fair. <laughs> I'm sure if Chase ever hears it, he's going to be like, what? He's going to be like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's too chill. He's like the chillest like, of all instructors. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to put my boot up your ass. How's that for country? <laughs> Peloton birthdays. We had a birthday sneak by us, but he's one of the newer instructors, so I don't feel too bad. But uh, Daniel McKenna celebrated his birthday on February 4th. Happy birthday, Daniel McKenna. And your cute little puppy dog, too. (laughs) And don't feel left out or worried. I added you to the calendar, so we will do you in advance next year. Because unlike Chase Tucker, I'm sure he listens every week. Right, right. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like like that's true. Yeah, it seems... Seems right. <laughs> Checking in with the Peloton community. So joining us today via the magic of Zoom Tube is Megan Pace. Hey, Megan, how's it going? Hi, it's going well. How are you guys? Good. And before we dig in too much, we just want to put out there that in this particular interview, we will hit on the topic of eating disorders. And I know some people, if they've struggled with that in the past, don't want to hear about it. If that is an issue for you, we will see you next week. We get that, respect it, understand it. And I also just want to add that none of us are doctors. This is (laughs) Megan's experience that we are talking about. So if you are struggling with anything, please do not take this as medical advice. Talk to your doctor. Okay. All right. We got the disclaimers set aside. All the the lawyers are happy. (laughs) Let's start with the fun part, Megan. How did you originally hear about Peloton? 
I think I know my daughter was in VPK. So that was late 2017, early 2018. I had a friend ask me to go to a spin class with her at the gym. And I went and it was a little few months down the road, I was coming out of that class and ran into a friend and she had mentioned something about Peloton and didn't know, really know much about it, didn't know what it was. And when I went home, you know, they hear you talking about it. I got an ad about it <laughs> and started looking into it. And it was the same thing everybody says, you know, it's pricey. I don't know. And I just told myself, you know, for now, I want to make sure I'm going to enjoy these spin classes and actually be into it. So I started going to those and my daughter, her school was three days a week. So the other two days a week, I know you guys will appreciate this. We live near Orlando. So we had Disney passes. Nice. And so she had school Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday, Friday, we would probably one of those days go to Disney. Well, that was also a day that they had the spin classes. So my options were to either drop her off at school and hurry to a spin class, which I didn't want to do. I wanted to go home, have a hot cup of coffee and relax for a little bit, then go to the gym. Or we'd have to hurry home on those days we're out and about. And I'd try to make the 530 class, but you got to get there early because they have so many bikes and it's a popular class. So it just got to be a pain in the butt. And finally, the summer I ordered it and I got it on July 20th, 2018. Was into it, loved it. It was great. I was using it a lot. And I remember that was when the tread, people were pre-ordering the tread and waiting for those Mm -hmm. to come out. And initial reaction was, you know, that is one heck of a pricey treadmill. (laughs) And I remember telling one of my friends, I said, unless that thing mists me and makes me a smoothie when I'm done, (laughs) I'm not getting it. And meantime, I was still going to the gym to lift weights and I would use their treadmills to do the running classes. And I also had a treadmill at home. So I was doing those for a while, a few months in, told my husband, I said, let's go to Boca. I just want to check it out, see what all the hype is about. And I knew what I was doing. It's one of those (laughs) things my husband knows when you make an appointment to go somewhere to look at something. As a husband, we also know what you're doing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He knows me. That's why I'm never allowed to go to animal shelters. Right. Definitely not, I'm not allowed in handbag stores. I hear you. <laughs> but he was a good sport about it. We made an appointment. I went down there and I remember it was a 20 minute Olivia class <sighs> and just everything about it. I mean, it felt great running on it. The class was amazing. So April 9th, 2019, we got the tread, tread plus, <laughs> tread plus. I see that. Yeah, I see that see beauty right you. there behind you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love the bike. And when they announced the bike plus my husband, you know, bless his heart. He just, yeah, I already know. Okay. (laughs) And so sold mine, like original bike and then got the bike plus, but I just, the tread, I love it. But it's one of those things where I tend to overdo it. So I have to take a break from running. I had a lot of injuries in 2019 and 2020 with stress fractures, shin splints. Then I had foot surgery, I had cysts on the bottom of my foot. So I had to go back to the bike and it was nice having that. So I love both, but I love the tread. I kind of tend to gravitate toward the tread myself these days. There's just something about I don't know about running. It's just invigorating. I don't really understand it because on paper, I shouldn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I can't stop taking the classes. I remember there was a post in the group about the whole tread thing and they're not selling as many or whatever. And it's one of those things where running on a treadmill gets such a bad rap. Like it's so boring and why I just want to be outside. Well, one, I live in central Florida. 
it's hot. Yeah. yeah. I don't do anything outside if I don't have to. It's yeah. a swamp. Um, yeah. It's awful. Yeah. yeah. That heat. But being on that tread, you're just the screen. Everybody talks, oh, it's so big. But yeah, but you're just immersed in it and you feel like you're there and it's just there's nothing that compares. And it's so that you can't say that's running on a treadmill. It's totally different. I agree with you 100%. It's my favorite running ever. I definitely prefer it to running outside and we're in Missouri. So it can get really nasty yeah. like it does there in Florida. But the last time we were in Florida and we were going on a cruise, I was like, oh, that morning, I'll just wake up and I'll go and I'll do a quick run, you know, before we get on the boat. No, I was like, what is this nastiness? <laughs> like it was like it hurt to breathe. I don't even understand <laughs> the, the humidity. humidity it's just <laughs> crushing. And it's one of those where you, you got to get up early if you want before it's, you know, the real heat. But no, I don't wake up. I'm just one of those people. I will not wake up to work out. Yeah. Um, and plus our stuff, we're in our bedroom. Our stuff's in here. So my husband's sleeping. He's certainly not going to wake up so that I can work out. Sure, so, sure. You know, and I mean, I, I remember that. Pel- when I got my year in review for Peloton, I think in 2019, it said, you're a midday hustler. I said, I absolutely am. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, and I know you've had quite a fitness journey that's been filled with ups and downs. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So growing up, typical, just overweight child started in early elementary school all the way through essentially college. It wasn't just overweight. I was very overweight. I remember even late elementary school, probably fifth, sixth grade, it was some like science fair or something like that. And I had to get an outfit and I had to shop in the women's sizes. And it was hard. I never really had issues like not having friends or anything like that. I had a great family. I had great friends, but it was just, it's one of those things where I played sports and I was always the big girl on the team in high school. I was always, you know, the big friend and all that. And it wears on you. And I remember it was my freshman year of high school that a girl, she came in and she was talking about something. And that was where I got the idea of there are ways to, you could have the food and then not have the negative results from eating that. So that was where freshman year of high school was where the bulimia started. It wasn't anything to lose weight per se. It was more, I want to eat this, but you know, I just don't want to regret it. I don't want to get any bigger. And then gradually it became about losing weight. I didn't really lose much in high school. I remember my high school prom, I had to shop in the plus size for a dress. And that was really hard looking back on those pictures. I used to never look at them. I hid them from my husband, but now I can appreciate where I've come and how far I've come from that. And so that was high school. When I went away to college, it was the same. It was harder to hide the bulimia because I was in a dorm and we had the community bathrooms at Florida State. Kind of stayed about the same. And then, so that was... At the end of my second year, one of my friends from high school, he lived in an apartment with two other friends from high school. He was going home for the summer and I sublet from him. And now I had privacy. So things gradually got a little worse from there to where, okay, well now I'm not going to eat today. And that summer it kind of picked up. And then the next year I was in an apartment again and same thing. So I lost a little bit of weight and started seeing, oh, well now I'm actually wearing normal size clothes. 
So I remember being in college, Florida State of all places, you have these gorgeous people walking around like most colleges, but that's what we were known for. And here I was wearing size 20 and that was devastating. I had always planned to play softball. When I got to Florida State, I was good at it. I wanted to play there for so many years, but I didn't because I didn't want to be the big girl on the team. So that was something else that I lost because of my weight. And so it was things gradually I lost some weight. They were getting a little more serious in that regard. And then I only spent three years there. I graduated in 05. And my mom, we had gotten closer when I had gone away to college. And she had said, you know, why don't you come back home? You can stay here, rent free, get a job, get on your feet, get things going with your career. And so I did. I moved back home pretty much right away. I got a job working at a bank and the schedule there, I was working 1 to 10. 1 p.m. to 10 p.m. So I didn't really see my parents except on the weekends. What kind of bank is and, open until 10 p.m.? Sorry, it was Washington Mutual, but it was a service center. Oh, so we handled okay. like home equity loans. And I know this is a dumb thing to get hung thing. up on. But I was just like, <laughs> one yeah. to 10 at a bank? <laughs> I worked at a bank. We were done by five. That's, what bank, that's the upside. Yeah. <laughs> it was a big one. They had a call center and then gotcha. processing and everything in it. And it was great. I'd get up in the morning. I would go to the gym. It's great for a midday then, hustler. That's right. That's me. Yeah. Sleep in. I stay up late and things just, again, they just started to progressively get worse now that I had this freedom and trying to hide it from my parents still, which was easier to do when I'm not coming home till sure. 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And my guess is you're I probably think, getting positive feedback, right? Like people are like, oh, you're losing weight. Like, you know, they don't know the method. Right. And so they're just, they're like, oh, that's great. Like, that's just kind of natural human nature to congratulate you, which I'm sure ironically enough doesn't help. Right. Especially for someone that you spent so long wanting to be smaller and it was happening, but people didn't know that, you know, for the whole day, I wouldn't eat. I would come to work. I'd bring like some carrot sticks, an apple. That would be my meal for the day. And that was it. And that went on for a long time. And I think people knew finally because I was losing so much weight and they didn't see me eating anything. I'd go in the, they had a big break room. And I remember they had a little machine off to the side that had the blood pressure cuff, but the seat was also a scale and it would tell you your weight. It would tell you your BMI. And I would go over there every day and I was just checked and I could not wait. I wanted my BMI to get down. I wanted to be out of the normal range. That's what I wanted. And so eventually it got to the point where, I mean, when you're not eating, you're eating less than a hundred calories a day. Mm. I had no energy. I remember just in my house walking, I would not faint, but kind of veer off and I'd walk into the wall because I just didn't have the energy to move. I was sleeping a lot. I don't know how I managed to keep working all that time. And I had a leadership role and I did it. But my father, he passed away in 2016. So I never really talked to him about it. But I think my mom knew what was going on. Honestly, I think she sometimes on the weekend would hear me in the bathroom or something and she could see the weight loss that was happening. And it got to the point where now I was underweight. She'd tell me, Megan, I see your bones. Is this how you want to live? Like you're going to lose everything. You're going to end up in the hospital. You're going to lose everything you have. And I didn't care. At that point, I mean, I remember I would walk into a store and when you're so used to shopping in the plus size section for so long and you walk into a store and then you're the smallest size on the rack. In high school, I was wearing men's clothes because baggy hiding. And I would walk into a store and I'd get to pull a small off the rack. I mean, I didn't care. If you had told me, well, you could die from, I don't care. 
I love this. I, I've never felt just walking into a store and just not worrying about it and knowing you're going to be able to fit into whatever they have. And it finally got to the point. I remember I had come home and I was just going to take a bath and I had to put towels on the bottom of the bathtub because I had no body fat that just sitting on the tub hurt. Mm. And so I don't know what it was, but sitting there, I said in my head, like, I'm going to say something to my mom. I'm going to ask her for help because I remember I talked to a friend and I reached out to her and I said, I was at the gym and I looked in the mirror for once. I kind of saw what was there. And I texted my friend. I was like, do I look sick to you? And she said, yes. And her and I had been close in college. I knew she would be honest with me. So when she said, yes, that is, I had been thinking about it. So that evening, for whatever reason, I guess, because I'm like, how have I gotten to the point where I can't even take a bath? You know, this is really pathetic is what I was thinking. I said, okay, it's time. I'm going to ask my mom for help. So I remember I got out of the bathtub. I wrapped myself in a towel. That bathroom was in the main hallway and she was in the computer room to the right. And she keeps her door open. So if I just stepped outside, she would have seen me. So I stood there, take a step out of the doorway. I stood there for 10 minutes. And finally, she was walking by and she kind of did a double take. And then she kept going, but then she backed up and she looked at me and I just lost it. I just started crying and, you know, a mom knows. So she came and she just hugged me. And she pulled me out to the couch in the living room. I just laid in her lap and she said, you know, it's going to be okay. I'll help you. We'll find out what we need to do. And so that was the moment where she understood I need help now. I'm finally at the point where I'm ready to do something. So when I looked on my insurance and found a psychologist that specialized in eating disorders, we found a nutritionist that didn't work out. She's trying to explain, you know, you need to be okay with eating more fat and all this stuff. And she made an agreement with me that six almonds a day, even with what I have going on in my head, I know that this is not right. So I ended up just working with a psychologist and this was 2007. So I was 23. Every night I'd be at work after dinner, I would go on my computer and I would write my mom an email and give her my food journal for the day. And I was honest with her. I mean, I, obviously I could have lied, but right. I think I was just so sick of the way things were that I was honest with her and we just kind of worked from there. And it was a lot of learning. It wasn't easy by any means. Everybody knows it's not something that you just go talk to a therapist for a couple of sessions and then you're cured. It was very gradual. I know in the beginning, I focused on the fat-free foods, the low-calorie foods, You would say a lot of it was plant-based because I couldn't find maybe chicken I'd be okay with, but I didn't eat a lot of it. And it was just trying to gradually add in things that I was comfortable eating and trying to gain weight because at that point I lost my cycle. So in my head, I was like, well, I'm never going to have kids. I know I need to get back to a point where I'm at a healthy weight. And if I want that, because I do want to have kids. So that was a motivator. And then... I had skin, obviously, especially in my midsection, that I was never going to have a flat stomach. So that was part of it. I kept losing weight thinking maybe eventually I will have a flat stomach. And it was the skin. So it wasn't going to happen. And I did make an appointment to have a tummy tuck. And unfortunately, it didn't work. Normally, they do from hip to hip. But mine was under my breast from armpit to armpit to pull the skin up. And it was horrible recovery. And essentially, it was a waste of a lot of money and it didn't work. So that was this thing that was going to help me on my recovery. 
And that was devastating. That just, I just eventually got past it. It was what it was going to be. I wasn't going to do anything else until after I had kids. And then I met my husband. I had joined a motorcycle group because my father had always been into motorcycles. My brother too, we did BMX. So anything two wheels, our family was into. And I just, gas prices back then, it was when they were sky high and I worked 45 minutes away Mm. to get a motorcycle. And then I was taking the class and they told me about this group that we had, a forum. And I'm like, okay, I'll join it. And then they had bike nights. I was like, you know, this is a really good girl to guy ratio. (laughs) So so who's not going to love it? Here I am, this young, attractive female Mm. showing up at bike nights. And my husband was there. He had a good college degree. He had a really good job. I said, that's the one. (laughs) So we met there and I think he knew, obviously I had eating issues because I'd still, I remember we would go on group rides and they would stop at a convenience store and people would go and get snacks because they'd be long rides. I'd be the one to go in there. I'd get a jar of salsa and that's what I would eat because it was vegetables. It was the only vegetables I could find. So he knew, I don't think he understood the extent of it because I never showed him the pictures of when I was really sick. And I never showed him the pictures of when I was really big. So he didn't really understand it. But eventually he knew because I was still having issues with the bulimia sporadically because I would just get worked up about, it was hard. It was hard. Sure. But just over time, I did a lot of reading, took a few nutrition courses, just trying to learn. And it wasn't until I finally... You know, everybody thinks you're skinny, you're healthy, but I wasn't because I was on an antidepressant. I had digestive issues. I was fatigued all the time. An afternoon nap sounded great constantly, brain fog, things like that. So how could I be healthy just because I'm skinny? So finally I'm working out in my head, okay, I need to eat better. And finally it was realizing that, okay, maybe the fat-free, sugar-free, low-calorie stuff isn't what I should be focusing on. Maybe I do need to eat things that, heaven forbid, have some fat. I need to find something with protein, things like that. So it's just been over the last couple of years, getting to a point where, okay, now I feel like I know what's going to fuel my body versus, okay, I just want what's the lowest calorie thing I can find. And that's been the best thing for me is finally having it click in my head that it's the ingredients that matter instead of what's on the nutrition facts label. Yeah. And that had to be frightening as you're starting to put weight back on. Like on the one hand, you know, that's for the best, but it had to be such a culture shift. And I would think that it would be like a loss of control, I guess. That's what I was picturing too. You know, that you're just like, can I stop it as it goes the other direction? And I'm projecting. So if what I'm saying is wrong. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm not trying to tell you how you feel. (laughs) (laughs) It's always... I guess in the back of my head, but it's not been until recently where now I'm at the point where, you know what? It's okay to go up a size in pants if it's going to look better. I don't need to squeeze into the size I want to be because you're going to look better if your clothes fit. That's only been recently that I've been okay with that. And a big part of that was, I think, with Peloton, before I was going to the gym to lose weight, constantly I was working out to burn calories. It was, what did I eat yesterday? All right, let's go to the gym and burn that off. Now it's, I'm going to go do a run because it's fun. I'm going to go lift weights because I want to, you know, have more strength and I want to see bigger muscles. Especially I have a daughter, she's eight and a half. 
So we had fertility issues. We did IVF with ICSI and did two rounds. And we were lucky enough to get pregnant with her on the second round. And I found out as soon as possible what we were having. And when she told us it was a girl, I cried. I think I spent the whole weekend upset because I didn't want her to end up like me. I was so scared of passing on my food issues to her that I had hoped so much for a boy. And I have a tattoo on my bicep that says, because she's watching. And it's a reminder that I used the F word in front of her, but not (laughs) F-A-T. Just that's my thing. I refuse to use that word in front of her. I don't ever talk about not liking something about me, my body, as much as I want her to, I don't want her to eat like I do. I know I'm pretty strict because I want to be. It's not because I don't want to gain weight. It's because I want to put the stuff in my body that is going to help it. But I've learned that I'm going to let her be a kid. When we go to the birthday parties, as much as in my head, I'm like, don't eat that birthday cake. I let her have the birthday cake. She goes to school. You know, her thing is when she's good all week, she can buy lunch on Fridays. And, you know, it is what it is. I don't want to get any sort of food fear in her and create any sort of relationship with food for her that is not a healthy relationship. And we talk about it. And just like we talk about exercise, I remember she came home from kindergarten one day and she was jumping rope in the living room and she said, We exercise so we don't get fat. And I just froze. <laughs> I was like, this is exactly what I was scared of. Yeah, your worst nightmare. And it can't control what other kids say. So we had a conversation and it's been a constant conversation now that no, we exercise because it makes us feel good. It's good for our muscles. It's good for our mental health. It makes us happy and it's fun. She knows it because she sees how much I enjoy doing rides and runs and talking about that. But I try not to be super strict with her, but we do talk about it. And my whole thing with her is you can eat anything you want. You just want to find the better version of it. We have our favorite ice cream, this brand called Fronin. And it's like some of the flavors, four to six ingredients. And it's stuff like, you know, banana, water, coconut cream, honey, and then flavoring. She loves it. He said, this is all I want you to know is you can have it. Nowadays, it's so easy to find the better version. You know, in the pantry, we've got, I know, Crystal, you know, the Hue Kitchen Chocolate. Mm-hmm. So I have those chocolate bars that I put squares of it in her lunch. Mm-hmm. I said, you can have all of this food. Well, we just try to find the one that has better ingredients. Right. Because it's going to make you feel better and it's better for you. I appreciate that you're so aware of that and that you're trying so hard to make sure that she has a healthy relationship with food. Like I just as a fellow mom, thank you for that, because a lot of people, they experience trauma and they don't of any kind, you know, and they go through whatever they go through and they don't stop to think about how it's affecting their kids. And so it means a lot to me that you're able to do that. So congratulations. And I think that's amazing. Thank you. I'm just lucky my husband is totally on board with it. He understands and he supports it. So just without him, I would be in a worse position. And we went to studios in New York to do my 400th ride. And it was February 2020. Oh, wow. You snuck that into the wire. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Got it in. I'd been wanting to go and it was a belated birthday gift. So we went up there. Then, of course crap hit the fan. And, you know, you're stuck at home. You have all this time to exercise. And I was running a lot. And I had found Selena's squad. I cannot say enough about that group because finding them 
really, we started doing the group runs like, well, there's no live classes. Let's do our own. Let's get together. And okay, let's do who wants to run, you know, tomorrow at 11 o'clock in a time where normally I would have slipped back into, all right, now I'm exercising. Okay. Now I'm going to go. I weigh myself twice a year as someone that used to weigh themselves, you know, four or five times a day. I just have learned to not focus on that, especially with building strength. I know I'm going to gain weight. So this time that normally I would be obsessing over it because now I have the time to sit at home and work out as much as I want. It was because my mindset had shifted from let's work out to burn calories to let's work out to have fun. I'm going to go run with my friends today. Who wants to do a ride? It could have been a whole different story, but I came out and I don't think we're still out of that, but (laughs) I'm still in a position where I still have a good mindset. And it's because just this whole community, you don't see a lot about that. Go do a ride. I need to burn some calories today. We still have people that talk about it, but it really is just, let's do it because it's fun because this ride sounds like fun. Oh, this new artist series. I love them. Let's do that run together. And it's been beneficial because now I have the healthiest relationship with exercise that I've had my entire life. That's wow. great. Cause I was wondering like how you strike that balance because it has to be, you know, it was a component of what you were struggling with, but obviously exercise typically is a good thing. And so like, that's gotta be a delicate tightrope to walk. It used to be, it was an obsessive thing to do it, but I think really having something that made it fun. Right. You change the motivation having, behind it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it because I knew oriented, I was... But the goal is fun now instead of other mm-hmm. things. And because fun. I was no longer so focused on calories and all that, it was a good time to you know get the bike and the tread and all that because... I mean, who knows? A few years ago, maybe I would have gotten it and it would have been, but it just... It came along when it was going to be great for me. I volunteer a lot at my daughter's school. And so I was there all day today. I really want to get in, ride or something. So I did a holiday ride as soon as we came home from school because oh, all these rides are just so much fun. I want to do one because... And now it's not... I didn't do my workout today. I, oh, I feel... And normally I would feel that way. Like, no, if I don't work out, I feel like crap. I just feel like a slug and all that. But no, now it's like, oh, I want to do it because there's so many fun ones and I really enjoy it. I'm going to feel good and all that stuff. So we did, Crystal, we have the tonal. That was Mother's Day 2020. Being able to focus, now my mind is, I don't want to be skinny. I want to be strong. Yeah. I want to be healthy. That is just hard to look back and know and see what I put myself through. Yeah. Because there are always going to be lasting effects. You know, like... I have arthritis issues. And I know a lot of that stemmed from so many years putting my body through that. But now, I mean, hey, I feel like I'm in great shape. Certainly my husband, I mean, he's, oh, what do you want for Mother's Day? I want, you know, fitness equipment. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That I can't say enough about the people that I found in Selena's squad. You know, I'd been in the other groups before. I just never really participated much. But finding these people, it's just, you know how it is when you just you click, click totally with your people. Everybody talks about so find these, your group. Yeah. I, yeah. And um, these were my people. These are the ones that we get together on Sundays for our Sunday brunch ones. My husband, now it's at the point he knows. He's like, all right, Sunday afternoon, she's busy. I just I had to do something last Sunday. It was a annual tradition with my mother and my daughter. I guess I can't get out of that. All right, I'm missing Sunday brunch. And I was just... I was devastated. <laughs> so you keep talking about Selena's squad. Is Alina and that squad, like, is Selena your favorite instructor or is that a tough question? 
for the tread, she's my go-to. She's very genuine. I love her, but like people have said before, it's like picking your favorite kid. Yeah, <laughs> totally. You know, the ones, and you know how it is. It just depends on your mood. And also, you know, if somebody's doing the artist series are so great yeah. that I can run to anything because it doesn't matter even if it's not the kind of music that I love. It's just, they make it, Engaging. they make it a lot of fun. Kirsten, I'm loving her. Yeah. Um, oh, she's new, so great. So great. The new instructors. She's very real. She's very relatable. I just have a lot of fun with her, but Selena, I just... It's something special with her and the squad that I'll always have her be my top. That's wonderful. That's awesome. So do you have any advice for people who are just entering the world of Peloton? You have both worlds of Peloton (laughs) at your disposal. (laughs) I know a lot of people start with the bike, but I've had a lot of friends that they're always, oh, I just, you know, they call the numbers and I, I just can't. I can't hit those numbers. You don't need to. Right. When you're starting out, in my opinion, you go for a cadence and the resistance, you do what you can do to hit that cadence. And eventually the resistance will start getting up and you'll hit the numbers. So I have days where I don't because maybe, you know, it was leg day yesterday and I'm just on the bike trying to, you know, do a great ride. Especially when you're starting out, you don't need to hit the numbers. You do what you can do and just do it for fun. And I know people mentioned it before that the instructors maybe you liked in the beginning. Maybe you like different ones now. Because in the beginning, Cody wasn't my cup of tea, but now I love him. I hate to say it, in the beginning, Robin, we weren't meshing. Yeah. But now I love her. And it's just, sometimes you just got to try something different. Try a different instructor and don't focus so much on the numbers. Just focus on the fact that you're there and you're getting out of it what you need to get out of it. Yes. Totally. So what is your leaderboard name? It is FSU Seminole Girl. (laughs) I am... Diehard Florida State. That's Just, wonderful. I love seeing yeah. you You're only on there for part. three years because <laughs> apparently you're a great student. Do you know I'm still bitter about that? I kind of question why did I do all those, you know, advanced placement and stuff and all that in high school when I got gypped out of a year in college. Oh, yeah, I've but, never heard anybody say that. Yeah, That's amazing. Way, but you don't have all those student loans. That's true. <laughs> That's true. No, thankfully, yeah, but I didn't turn 21 until the middle of my last year there. Oh, so gotcha. my parents are probably glad about that. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to, to join us and sharing your story. I know it's a tough one to share, but I'm sure that there's people out there listening that it means the world too. So, and, and it means the help. world to us that yeah. you would be able to share. Thank you for yeah. that. Thank you. I appreciate it. So, before we let you go, where can people find you if you would like to be found? I will be with the squad on Sunday brunch, FSU Seminole Girl. And then on Instagram, I am lattes and playdates. Awesome. Thank <laughs> you so wonderful. much. Thank you. Thank you. So I guess that brings this epic episode to a close. An epic sode? <laughs> uh, so until next week, where can people find you? People can find me on uh, Facebook. At Facebook. Wait, I forgot to ask you who is next week. You did. You did. I was wondering what was going to happen there. Jeffrey Hutt will be joining us. So that is a wonderful conversation. I can't wait to share it with you guys. Okay. Now, where can people find Now, you? people can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Crystal D. O'Keefe. They can find me on Instagram, Twitter, on the bike, or the tread at Clipbell Crystal. Awesome. And you can find me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. You can find the show online at facebook.com slash The Clipout. While you're there, like the page, join the group. And of course, don't forget our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash The Clipout. So that's it for this one. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, keep pedaling. And running. And running.